0: Good morning, ECC family. Uh, It is hard to believe that we are just 11 days from Christmas now. I don't know what comes to your mind, what words come to mind when you think of, of Christmas. If you're a child, it's probably things like Christmas trees, Santa, Rudolph, presents, toys. When you get a little bit older, your tastes, your Longings, I guess, morph a little bit, and it's things like Christmas cookies and pie. More seriously, it's things like family and joy and peace. I hope when we think of Christmas, all of us think of Jesus. But let me add one word to your Advent lexicon this morning longing, a yearning desire. Like when you've gone through a prolonged, brutal, cold winter, and you're longing for the first day of spring. Or when you've gone through a prolonged absence from your family, and you're longing just to be with them and and hug them again. Or you've gone through a prolonged fast, and you're longing just to sate your hunger, just to bite into a big, juicy bacon cheeseburger. Longing. At Christmas, we have this kind of natural sense of longing, right? We long for presents on Christmas morning. We long for toys. When I was a kid, my sense of longing was so intense, I'd get so excited with the anticipation of Christmas that every Christmas Eve, I'd make myself sick. That was my present to my parents. Nothing says Christmas like the smell of pine trees and vomit. beautiful, right? As I grew older, I grew out of that and my longing is now for those times of family gathered together around the dinner table around the christmas tree making christmas cookies but advent should awaken in us a deeper longing my favorite christmas carol is o come o come emmanuel which we sang this morning because it speaks of that deep longing for jesus to come o come o come emmanuel The Cabjian family read for us this morning our Advent reading from Isaiah chapter 9, and I'm not going to focus on the whole of that, just verse 2. Isaiah writes, People walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Uh, The people that Isaiah is describing are not people who are just going through a long night. Or just a season that we might call the dark season of the soul, the dark night of the soul. It's not even just a long Alaskan winter. They are living in darkness. Their whole life is consumed with darkness. Now in scripture, darkness denotes the whole range of what is harmful and what is evil. At times, darkness is used in scripture to indicate ignorance... Not just a lack of knowledge about facts, but true lack of understanding, lack of knowledge, a moral ignorance. So the Apostle Paul will say in Romans chapter 1 verse 21, for although they knew of God, knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. It's a darkness of, of ignorance, of futile thinking. Elsewhere in scripture, blindness or the darkness of the eyes it is used to symbolize confusion. So Jesus will say to, to Israel, you're being led by blind guides. Your religious leaders who ought to know, who ought to have understanding and knowledge are groping around in ignorance and confusion in darkness. Now, at times, I got to admit, ignorance is bliss. I have no idea how to run the soundboard here at the church, and I don't want to know. At other times, ignorance can be frustrating. This afternoon, I'll spend time working on my son's car, trying to figure out what the problem is that keeps it keeps it stalling on him. It's frustrating because we just don't know. But at other times, ignorance can be downright dangerous. And deadly, like if you're lost in a desert and you don't know where to find water, you don't know how to find your way out. When Isaiah says that those who are walking in darkness, he's referring to those who are, who are ignorant of God and his ways and his salvation. In scripture, darkness doesn't just represent ignorance, it also represents the shadow of death. Matthew and Luke include this in their quotation of this passage. Matthew 4 says, The people, referring to the Gentiles here, living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. He's correlating darkness and this shadow of death. In Isaiah, this darkness, this shadow of death, was coming in the form of invading armies, the armies of Aram and Israel, the armies of the Assyrian Empire. Throughout scripture, this shadow of death can come in various forms, through enemies who are pursuing, or sickness that is besetting. In fact, this darkness is over all of us, because as Paul says, death reigned from Adam to Christ. The shadow of death covered all of us. But death isn't just physical. We understand that death is more than that. It's spiritual. It's separation from God. So in scripture, darkness not only stands for ignorance and death, but also separation from God. Hell itself is described as the place of outer darkness. And being cast into hell is being cast away from the presence of God. Of the Lord, hell is darkness because it is the absence of the presence of God. Paul combines all these elements in Ephesians chapter four. He says they were darkened in their understanding that 's that ignorance, and they were alienated from life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of heart. So when Isaiah speaks of those who are living in darkness he 's speaking of those who are living and in, in walking in ignorance, walking under the shadow of death and walking apart from the presence of God. And at Christ's birth, the light dawned. The light dawned, piercing and dispelling this darkness. Now, Scripture tells us that not, not everyone loved the light. Not everyone was happy that dawn arrived. Some people prefer the darkness because their deeds... Are evil, But God's people had been waiting, had been longing for this light to come. I don't know if you've ever experienced a time of prolonged longing, of prolonged waiting, and then what you hope for, what you yearn for is fulfilled. I was thinking about times like that in my life, and it almost always involves a- absences from my family— I haven't been absent from my family for long stretches of time, not like those who are in the military and, you know, are overseas for months. But I remember one time when I went on a mission trip to Bolivia. It was a three-week mission trip. And my son Caleb was just a year old at the po- at this point. The first two weeks were, were fine. The third week really dragged on as this longing became an ache to be home with my family again, especially in the last few days where we were just having decompression time and doing touristy kind of things, walking, hiking in the mountains and visiting markets, and I just wanted to be home, that longing to be home with my family. And I remember walking in the door and hugging and kissing my wife, and it was great to be home, and then going over to my son Caleb, who wanted nothing to do with me anymore. Three weeks, and I was a stranger to him for a few days. But that sense of longing was fulfilled to be home i think of Simeon in the new testament a man who was devout and was filled with the holy spirit and had been promised by the spirit that he would not depart life until his eyes had seen the messiah and the holy spirit took him to the temple one day and there he saw mary and joseph and eight day old baby jesus And he knew that this was the fulfillment of his longing. This is what he had been waiting for. And he pronounces this blessing. We refer to it as the nunc dimittis, the Latin meaning now I can depart. He says, Now I can depart in peace because my eyes have seen the Messiah. My eyes have seen the salvation that God has prepared for the nations. I've seen the light. That Isaiah promised. See, where darkness stands for ignorance, Christ brings knowledge and truth, knowledge of God. Jesus is the fullest revelation of God. In the past, God had revealed himself in many different ways and many different times through the prophets. But the author of Hebrews says, But now in these last days, he has revealed himself most perfectly and his son, Jesus. We are in the image of God, but Jesus is the exact image, the exact representation of God. He makes known God, and he makes known God's ways. These things that have been mysteries for ages. What was God doing? How was God going to accomplish his purposes, fulfill his promises to Abraham that through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. All these things were shrouded in mystery. But in Jesus, we have knowledge of what God had been doing all along. And in Jesus, we have knowledge of the way to salvation. Simeon's own words, he, he says, I, I've seen your salvation. As he looks at eight-day-old baby Jesus, he understands that this is God's way of salvation, salvation incarnate. In Jesus' own words, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Th- this knowledge, this truth that Jesus brings is a life-giving truth. So where darkness stands for death, Christ brings life and life eternal. In John chapter 1, John describes Jesus And says that in him was life, and this life was the light of men. Jesus himself says, also in the book of John, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Where darkness stands for death, Jesus brings life. And where darkness represents an absence from God, Christ brings the fullness of God's presence. Again, in John chapter 1, I love this verse. It's verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, or tabernacled among us. And when Jesus leaves earth in his flesh, he leaves the spirit for us as an abiding presence of God in our lives. Isaiah says, a light shone the light of truth, the light of life, the light of God's presence. Jesus brings all of these in his first advent. So if he brought all of these, why am I encouraging us to add the word longing to our lexicon? Because all of these things were merely foretastes. They weren't meant to quench or to fully satisfy but to whet our appetites for something greater that is still to come. Today, darkness still lingers. Yes, light has dawned, but it isn't the full light of day yet. We live in the in-between, in the already and the not yet. Light has broken on the horizon, but it hasn't reached its zenith yet. And so we long. We long for the light of full understanding. There's still so much that we don't know, that we don't understand. I've gotten really good at saying, I don't know. Ask my kids. Dad, when's dinner? I don't know. What's dinner? I don't know. Are we going to have dinner? I don't know. I don't care. I'm good at saying, I don't know. Ask those in my ACG. They try to play Stump Dan often. And I, I'm fine saying, I don't know, and that's a dumb question. It's okay. But this year, saying I don't know has been harder. It's been harder because the questions are more filled with ache. Dad, am I going to lose another baseball season? Don't know, bud. Dad, are we going to go back to school? Don't know. Dad, what's happening in our nation right now? I don't know. Dad... What's God up to? Guys, I don't know. I'm filled with I don't knows. And they're harder I don't knows. They're revealing my lack of understanding, my ignorance. Even what I do know, it's only a partial knowledge. As the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then, the time we long for is when we will see face to face. Now we know in part, but we long for the time when we will know more fully. We long for more knowledge. We long for more truth. We long for more understanding. And we long for the fullness of life without looming death. Death is still very much a reality for us. Not spiritual death. We've passed from death spiritually to life. But physical death and the sense of loss and the sense of grief and the sense of foreboding is still with us. Again, that great carol that we sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel. I love this verse. O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night. And death's dark shadows put to flight. We still live under the shadow of death to a degree. Death has been defeated and we need not fear it. But death hasn't been destroyed yet. And so we long for the time where grief and sorrow associated with death is no more. And we think, death? What's that? And we long for the full presence of God. Yes, Yes, we have the indwelling spirit with us, the presence of God ever with us, but that is merely a down payment on our full inheritance, merely a down payment on the full experience of God's presence that we will one day enjoy. where there, We dwell with God in a land where there is no darkness, but there's also no sun and moon because there's no need for sun and moon Because as Bob spoke last week from Revelation 21, God is our light. He's so present, his glory radiates, and he is our light. In a way, think back to Simeon. I think our sense of longing should be even greater than his. Because we've tasted and seen the goodness of the light. We've tasted and seen the goodness of what God is offering and we want more it's awakened a longing in us 2020 has been a year of longing a year of longing for normal 2020 has been a steamy pile of crap my wife's gonna get mad at me that I said crap but when you're talking about 2020 I think that's mild Matter of fact, I think we should commission a whole bunch of old, crusty sailors to come together and discover new ways of describing 2020. That's how bad it's been. But if our longing is merely for 2018 and the way things were then, the the normal, or 2010, or 1980, or, or 1950, we're setting the bar way too low. Uh, The old normal wasn't truly normal. It was broken. Now I get it, a broken arm is better than a broken back, but it's still broken. Longing simply for 2010 is a waste of this pandemic. It's a waste of this Advent season if if all you're hoping for is a more normal Christmas next year. Simply longing for normal isn't good enough. We want to long for the true normal of God's presence, of a full knowledge of God and full life with him. Fan into flame that longing that we have this year. Fan into flame that that ache. Don't numb it. Don't ignore it. Cry out in that ache, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Pray, Spirit, transform this ache that I have for normal. Transform it into an ache for you and for the good that only you can give. Not the good that comes from routine and comfort. Let yourself feel sick for home, your real home, for the good For the true normal, when longing will be satisfied, when when faith becomes sight. Don't waste this sense of longing that is nagging all of us now. Fan it into flame. In just a moment, Brian is going to come and sing a song, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. Another song that speaks of this longing. Make it a prayer. Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. Dear desire. Of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Would you pray with me, Father? We confess that we have a longing that only you can fulfill; that we have an ache that only you can heal. Father, in the words of your your missionary, your servant David Brainerd, we have this pleasing sense of pain. We, we've tasted your goodness. We've seen your light but we want more. We pray that you would give us more of your presence even now as we await the full revelation, the second advent of your Son, when he comes and sets all things right. Father, we pray that in the meantime, you would find us faithful. In Jesus' precious name, amen.